So God, we pledge ourselves to you over and over again by the blood of Christ, which is the red carpet of, into your presence. And we pray to you because of the fact that we need you. We pray to you because without you, nothing is possible. And so, so God, as I share today to your people, and as your people hear the word, help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be absolutely acceptable in your sight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I trust your week was good. Um, I've had some things happen to me this week that you could either let wreck your day, you know, just make your life miserable or just blow it off as first world problems. And I think many times in our society, we just don't blow things off as first world problems. They become uh, our focus. And today, you know, we're going to continue in our mini-series of who we are. Last week I talked about refuge. This is what Soul Sanctuary is all about, right? Refuge. It's an attractive buzzword. It's, it's, it's there. Uh, it's, you know, this is really considered the start of a journey as the entry, uh, entry, or, uh, entry stage as we come into a, a church or a community such as this. And my focus last week, if you remember, was the importance of gathering regularly. And now again, we also have the opportunity of people to join in via our live stream. And of course, I get these messages during the week that I'm not going to be there, but I'll be watching on live stream. So hey, you, not only can you watch on live stream, you can give online while you're watching on live stream. So let me just throw it out there. The, the importance of gathering together, though, regularly as a community, face-to-face. -face. And I think if I was to actually go back and count, if you didn't listen to the life lesson or if you weren't here, I think I put in about a hundred reasons as to why we should gather and come together as a community on a regular basis. So if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. Um, at Seoul, we acknowledge the fact that everybody is on a spiritual journey. Everybody is on a spiritual journey. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Uh, we are all on these spiritual journeys. This is who we are. This is what we're created to be. But not everybody's also on the same path or the same place on the path. And, and from the very beginning, we have committed to becoming a safe place where you can bring friends and family members here. Nine easy words. Would you like to come to church with me? Just come. Take it all in. It's a safe place filled with real people who can talk about real problems, real hurts, real hang-ups, real habits, and not be blown away or be judged, but we are a family of fellow strugglers. That's who we are. There's not a person in this room who has it all together. Uh, in fact, we need each other because we become mirrors to each other to reveal each other's hurts and to help each other. And many times, let's say, I, I, I'll, uh, others see things that I don't and vice versa. And so we're sh our iron sharpens iron. We, you know, we hear that or sometimes when there's a confrontation or we're trying to encourage, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's a wonderful biblical, biblical, biblical phrase. Stuttering is not working for me today. But the idea of iron sharpening iron is that you're in community together. And you work off each other. And there's love, and there's safety, and there's respect. And, and people who need refuge know that they can come here. And if you need to sit and hide, you can. But refuge is just the beginning. And since change or life transformation is assumed here at Seoul, but not only in at soul, but in the scriptures, change is assumed. 
It has worked through the whole process. There's this next step then that we call repair. Uh, you see, you can't just come and sit in your stuff. That's not what it's about. You need to move out of it. You need to get help. You need to get cleaned up. And it's a process that we call repair, but the theologians call it sanctification. And sanctification is this act or this process of being made or becoming holy, becoming more Christ-like. And, and this is where the change then in our spiritual walk is assumed. When we encounter God, change in our life begins to take place. It must begin to take place. If we make him Lord of our lives, change needs to happen. Change moving closer to God, moving more Christ-like, not moving away from. And for, for some, change is instant. Some people come and they encounter God. Change is just instant. But for others, it's a gradual process. But change occurs nonetheless. And that's something that's assumed in Scripture. So Soul Sanctuary is a faith community that helps people grow in their relationship with Christ and others. But re repair is a huge area. And for all of us here, there is some pain uh, or baggage that needs to be dealt with. You think about it. At this stage, many people need to allow the Holy Spirit to repair areas of brokenness that may be in our lives. But many times people come in and they just don't know how. And many times what happens is that we come in and we don't know how, and so we just presume to sit and to suffer and wait for the almighty miracle that maybe will never come. Because we're afraid to reach out, we're afraid to take risks, we're afraid to, to take our broken and battered heart and be transparent and open and honest with people. And so here at Seoul, we want to be able to be whole, healthy people who've stared our junk, we've stared our wounds in the face, we face them, and we begin this process of making peace with God, um, uh, with who God is, in spite of all the stuff maybe that we have gone through. And many people, even in this community today, we hide our pain. Right? We hide our pain. And we don't properly address the deep emotional and spiritual wounds in our, in our lives. And we hide them. We mask them. Or, or we do other things to deaden the pain that's there. And many of us, when we come in, we actually haven't really experienced true healing and, life trans and the life transformation that Jesus offers because we just refuse to let go. We refuse to surrender ourselves, a complete surrender to God. And so we are a church that wants to help people know Jesus in a life-transforming relationship as well as others in true community. And so we, we set up these environments for people to, to come to know Christ. And as a church, we want to help people grow in their relationship with Christ and in our relationship with others. And in order to fulfill this, we have you know, our kids and our youth ministries. We have our life groups. We have our school of ministry. We have divorce care. We have the sunroom for people dealing with cancer. We have other environments. And, and especially we have this thing, and you saw the, the suitcases, the baggage out in the hallway called Celebrate Recovery. We also have counseling. Why? The whole purpose of these ministries is to help people grow deeper in their understanding of who God is, and some of it at developmental stage, but also understanding who God is and the he understanding who each other is, and also provides an opportunity for healing. That's what it's about. Colossians writes to a group of believers, Paul writes to a group of believers in Colossae, and he says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, which meant Jesus. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether the things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So here's the train of thought. The universe is out of whack. Okay, we got that. It's not the way that God has created it to be, and it has some serious issues. And so Jesus now, he comes along, and he dies on the cross, and through his death and resurrection, he reconciles us to God. So Paul writes that on the cross, as Jesus shed his blood, this is God's way of putting everything back together again. And so there's this giant cosmic idea about a God who wants to put the world back together because it's fallen, so to speak. And that's his plan. And this is God's intention, but here's the question. As it is with, with everybody throughout time, we look at ourselves and we say, is my life always going to be like this? And the writers of the scriptures, they come from this long tradition of people who said, no, it's not always going to be like this. God's intent and plan is to put the whole thing back together again, and it's on the cross that something huge is happening in this giant repairing and restoration of which we find ourselves in. And it goes from this huge cosmic idea um, to verse 21, and it says this, once you, and that's plural, that means you and me, once you and I were alienated from God and we were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. In other words, our sin has put this giant chasm between us and God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. So if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So he says this like this. He goes, hey, you, the same things that God wants to do in this giant universe, you think about it, he wants to do in you and me. He wants to put us back together. He wants to repair that which is broken, and he wants to put you back together so that you're not broken, so that we're not busted up. The word that he used here is reconciled. You've heard me teach on this a while back. It's a huge word. Apokatalasso. My Greek is very fluent. And what it does is actually it means to bring into existence a relationship where there was none before. To bring into existence a relationship where there was none before. And God's intention is to put this whole universe back together and to bring each of us into a relationship of peace with God. He wants to put it all back together. And so this means, this, and this means us. And you know, I, I think the question then becomes, how many of us, when we come in, or if we're going on through our weeks, we, we look or feel like puzzle pieces scrambled in a box. You know, we're all, all there, we're all together, but we just, we're out of sorts. We're just not connected. We're just kind of off. We're just, it's just not there. Now, when Paul's writing this, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the message, this message known as salvation. And he's, and he's saying, look at the salvation of God is holistic. It's beautiful. It means all of us. It's the physical, it's the mental, it's the spiritual aspects of life, and he sees them all closely interconnected. 
And you put it this way, it's our heart, it's our emotions, it's our will, it's our mind, it's our intellect, it's our past wounds, it's our failures, it's our worries, it's our anxieties, it's our addictions, the things that keep us awake at night, it's our compulsions, it's the struggles that we have, it's the whole thing. Are you with me? Thank you. God wants to put every last part of us back together so that every aspect of my being can have peace with God. And so I I ask myself when I write this, do we have peace? Do we have peace? And so often, many bring so much stuff into this place through these doors. Some of you are walking and living through hell. And the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And yet when we walk through here, we don't feel free. We feel weighted. We feel burdened down. And so our intent when we come together as a community is is to help all of us in this ongoing work of being a better person. Like, who doesn't want to be a better person? Hit the person next to you if you want them to be better, in case they haven't figured it out. I think we all do. I think realistically, we all do. How much better would our world be if we all took some time to allow ourselves to be put together or repair the right way? With scripture as our blueprint, we we can begin to walk on this road of repair. And I'm convinced that the scriptures and Jesus are the key to living a full life. In a group this size, there's a list of things that, that affect us on a daily basis. The first one's overworking, right? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about overeating or undereating, whatever one you choose. Let's talk about alcohol or drugs. Let's talk about overspending. Let's talk about grief. Let's talk about guilt. Let's talk about anger. Let's talk about rage. Let's talk about fear. Let's talk about anxiety. It's all here this morning. Let's talk about divorce, almost divorce, separation. Let's talk about abuse. Let's talk about sexual um, addictions. Let's talk about codependency because it's all here this morning. Let's talk about insecurity. Let's talk about perfectionism. Let's talk about hypochondria because I think they're sick right now, maybe almost quite, but it's all here this morning. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about hurtful relationships, broken marriages. Let's talk about gambling. Let's talk about lying. Let's talk about procrastination next week. Let's do that. What about the need to control? Does it begin to sound familiar? Are you with me? I want audience participation. I'm not a, I, I, one of the reasons I don't stand high is because I'm 6'4". And 250 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. But, yeah. But I like being down on the ground. I like being close. The only thing that the, the camera guy says is that you can't move around because we, obviously it's, you know, hand controlled. So I have to work within that paradigm. But I want to be able to see you in your face. I want to know that you're with me. I want to know that you, I, you're hearing my heart especially when it comes to looking at our world and it's broken and that the only answer that's out there is Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 32. I know Jordan McClellan spoke on this a while back, but I wanted us to, to look at it again. It's a, great, it's a great story. Jesus and the boys, they go into a boat and they start across the lake. And suddenly a fierce storm strikes the lake and the waves are breaking on the boat and Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples went and then they woke him up and they're shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. 
Because that's exactly what happened. You gotta imagine what's going on here. And he goes, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. You just woke me up. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly, suddenly, here's the miracle suddenly there's great calm. And the disciples are amazed. Who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What we know is that Jesus is tired. He's tired from walking, he's tired from the heat, he's tired from teaching and preaching, he's tired from healing hundreds if not thousands of people, and he just needs to withdraw, he needs to get away. This is his humanity coming through. We see it, he just needs to get away. So they go in a boat, and they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee, and you can't blame the guy. So he and his boys, they get in a boat, they cross the sea. Now the sea is actually a freshwater lake, just in case you didn't know that. It's about 12 kilometers across, it's a pear shape. At its deepest point, depending on the level of the water is about 160 feet deep. Um, the surface of the lake is 600 feet below sea level. That's significant. Because where it is geographically speaking, the Sea of Galilee is a very unusual body of water. And uh, what happens is that the winds will come down from the higher elevations into this valley in which the sea is and it bounces off the walls and they act like a ravine and it acts like a funnel and this funnel wind produces tremendous storms and they've recorded waves uh, some as high as 15 to 25 feet in this small body of water hence they have sudden storms below sea level, hot and arid, cold air comes out of the, the high mountain area and comes down into it and creates these crazy storms. So Jesus and his boys, they get in a boat, they set sail. And, and sure enough, this huge squall comes in, catches them off guard. Now remember, a number of these guys are experienced fishermen. They're used to being out on this body of water. They're, they're now, even the fishermen are terrified by the velocity of the storm that has just come in. You know, sometimes the, some of the things that you and I deal with, it's very subtle, right? And other times, the things that we deal with are like storms. And these storms come into our lives and they catch us off guard. In fact, everyone here, every one of us have had storms. You know, some we see coming, some they catch us off guard. In fact, many of you this morning, maybe the clouds have already gathered and maybe for some of you, perhaps, you're in the worst storm of your life right now. But I want you to realize that everybody has them. We're not immune. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And we, we talked about this when we walked through Matthew 5. And, and, he, and God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So you see storms and problems and difficulties and trials. They come to all of us. None of us are immune. There's no exclusion. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're going to be excluded from the storms of life. Now I need to say this. Some storms come to us because we're out of God's will. Example of that, if you go into the Old Testament, you look at the book of Jonah, he deliberately disobeys God. God speaks to him, reveals himself to him. He deliberately disobeys God, and uh, 
So what does God do? He follows him, sends a wind. You know, then <laughs> the boat that he's in, eventually Jonah gets thrown out and the story of the whale, it all comes in. So it's possible, if you think about it, it's possible that the storm that you're encountering in your life today, is it possible because of your own disobedience? You've made some bad choices. And now you're suffering the consequences. But here's something that blows your mind. Some of the storms that we find ourselves in are actually God's will. Many of us don't want to hear that. Matter of fact, prosperity teachers don't want to even say that. But the fact of the matter is when you look at the scriptures, we see that some of the storms that we find ourselves in are because you're in God's will. And just, just because you're encountering a storm in your life does not necessarily mean that you're out of the will of God or that you're dis, uh, willfully disobeying him. In fact, there are beautiful examples of scripture of this. Here, right here, Jesus make, what does Jesus do? Jesus gets his disciples into the boat. Come with me. And we're going to go across the lake. So you have some fishermen in the middle of a boat in, in the lake, and they find themselves in a nasty storm, and they're afraid. And you know who's, who's got, whose idea this was in the first place? It was Jesus. It was God's idea. He's the one who told him to get there. He's the one who says, get through the middle of the lake. So right there in the middle of God's will, but they're having the storm of their life. You keep going. Job, of course, he's a classic example. We read that when Satan comes to God concerning what's happening on earth, and God challenges him and says, well, take a look at Job. And we eventually read about all the boils from head to toe on Job as he sat on an ash heap and just in difficulty and pain. Had he sinned? Absolutely not. He was completely faithful. He was blameless in God's sight, and yet he was going through the storms of life. Joseph in the Old Testament is another example. Brilliant young man. He's sold off into slavery by his family. He goes to Egypt. He spends years in prison and is slandered by the wife of Potiphar. And Joseph is in a very difficult time of his life. But when we read the scriptures, he's in the center of God's will. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example as he went through shipwrecks. He goes through beatings in prison. He finally dies a martyr's death. But he's a man of God. He's one of the great men in history of the Christian church. And he's in the center of God's will. So what I'm saying is that it's possible for you to be obeying God, to be walking with all the light that you possibly could, but right now you're in the center of God's will, and yet at the same time you're in a terrific storm. You can never look at an individual and see what they're going through and say, well, this person's doing right and that person's doing wrong because this person is blessed and that person is cursed. That's nonsense. That's not true. I love what C.H. Spurgeon, a great old preacher, says, when God allows us to be put into the furnace, he goes with us. You see it? I share this with you today because I know a whole lot of people who really do love God, who really do obey him, and yet because of life's uncertainties, because of, of this, the sin of the earth and the frailty of our human condition, um, uh, they love God, they obey him, you know, and yet life gives them a tough blow. And when we have that difficult time, 
We have to have our feet on the ground. We have to understand that storms happen to people in the will of God as well as to people outside of his will. Back to our story. The storm rages on. The boys are bailing water. They're trying to get out. Do you remember you and I? I think I told the story a long time ago, but you're here. We were crossing Falcon Lake in a boat, and a squall came up. You remember that? We went, we went across the lake, and we went fishing somewhere else. And then we came back. Was it your boat we were driving? Or not? Or you were just screaming. Like, we were all screaming together, because the squall blows up on Falcon Lake. And, and we didn't think we were going to get back to across the lake. And that's what's going on here, except for on a bigger... Uh, bigger condition. You know, the storm is raging on. They're bailing water. They're trying to navigate either sails or oars. We're not quite sure. But nothing's working. That's what we do know. So they're terrified. They start screaming. And all while Jesus is sleeping beautifully. He's exhausted. And he's just, and he's just taken in the waves. Man, he just loves it. Some of us get seasick. My wife gets seasick. I enjoy the bounce of the waves. It's relaxing. It's just like being in a hammock. Well, this was no hammock. This was crazy. And, and, and finally, in a panic, they wake Jesus up. They ask him to save him. Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Simple request. Quite urgent, you know. They didn't want to drown. And you can see Jesus waking up with a yawn. <sighs> First thing he asks, he looks at, I can't imagine putting these stories in real life because the first thing he asks is, why are you afraid? You've just woken somebody up from a deep sleep. The boat's crazy. People are wet. Like, it's just going nuts. And he's going, what are you worried about? And they're stunned. The disciples are stunned. Jesus, don't you see we're in a storm? Jesus, don't you see we're going to drown? We're going to die. Now, the crazy thing is, when we look at this passage, there's a whole lot of theological connotations I'm not going to break down. I want to actually keep it fairly simple this morning. But Jesus is asking here a rhetorical question that's not meant to be answered, especially in the heat of the moment, but meant to tell them that since he was there, the boys had nothing to fear. They had been with Jesus for over a year now. They, have, they should have more confidence uh, after hearing all of his teachings and seeing all the miracles, but the circumstance of the storm has them terrified. And their eyes are off Jesus. And yet the disciples knew where to go. They, they had no real faith, so to speak, in what Jesus could do in such a situation. You know, maybe they wake him up, hey, Jesus, help us bail water, right? They, just, they put, though, a little trust in Jesus' presence, not realizing the fact that God the Father in his providence would not let Jesus die before his time. And then, though they may not have sufficient faith that Jesus could do anything against this storm, they were aware of their, this is beautiful, their helplessness, and may have been at least learning to depend on him at some point. All eyes went to Jesus, which is the key to faith. In the same way, you and I, we can look at life storms and we're not sure Jesus will or can do anything, right? The disciples lost sight of who was with them and they, they panicked. 
And I believe that is a great reflection of you and I in the real world. We lose sight of Jesus in the midst of our problems. And that's when we panic. And while Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm, the disciples, what are they doing? They're trying to figure out the storm. They're trying to figure out how they're going to survive the storm. They're trying to figure out how they're going to guide the ship through the dangerous watery waves. They're trying to figure out how they're going to keep the ship from being overflowed with water or swamped. And that's how we are sometimes, right? When our worlds become unglued and when we become in trouble, we try to figure out how we're going to get out of trouble ourselves. But when we're in trouble, what we need to do is we need to call on the Lord for help. And that's what the disciples finally did. And when the disciples saw how their fruitless, their efforts were in trying to save themselves out of the sea storm, Scripture says that the disciples came to Jesus, they woke him, and they said, Lord, save us. And I think that's the lesson for us to learn when we look at this passage of Scripture. Whenever you find yourself in trouble, you need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, save us. You need to find yourself, you find yourself in an adverse situation or in a bad circumstance. You need to go to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. All humility is gone at that point in time. You're just there, bare before God. When you find yourself in pain or discouraged or depressed or down and out, we need to go to Jesus and say, what? What? Yeah, save us, Lord, save us. Do we not see the example of Scripture and the desperation in the storm? And the hunger and the calling out of the disciples to wake Jesus up and to say, save me, save us. And when you feel that you're about to lose your mind and you need to go to Jesus and you've got to say, Lord, save us. Out of all the places to ask a rhetorical question, I think it's funny. But clearly, faith is the most important part of the story. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's exactly, well, what is faith exactly? The dictionary says it's confidence or trust in a person or a thing. Hebrews says that faith is being sure of things that we can't see. And the faith that Jesus spoke of was having just complete trust in Jesus, knowing for certain that he is God, being sure that he's in control. Notice that part. It's all, all outside of our circumstances, knowing for certain that he is God, that he is in control, and being positive that he could do all things, including calm a terrible storm. If the disciples had had faith, they would have been certain that Jesus was able to save them with just a word. They wouldn't have been afraid of the storm. And, and, and that's not to say that they wouldn't have woken Jesus to ask for help. In fact, that's exactly what they should have done, right? If they had faith, they, they, they could go to Jesus with confidence, knowing that he controlled all things. But their, their absolute fear, and this is the key part, showed them that they didn't trust Jesus or that they couldn't trust that Jesus could save them in the situation that they found themselves. So fear and faith, interesting enough, cannot occupy the same space in our hearts. In our heart and mind, it's either fear or faith. Our natural state, people, is fear. Because some situations in which we find ourselves are scary. 
because we don't know the future. We know that bad things happen. Some things are way too big for us to handle. We can't control what's going on around us. But when we receive God's gift of faith, it pushes out fear. Fear says the situation in my life is just too much for me to handle. Faith says the opposite says God's in control. He's going to handle this for me. Fear says, I'm not sure if God's strong enough to handle this. Faith looks at us and says, nothing is more powerful than God. Fear says, I'm not sure if I can trust God. Faith says, God only wants what's best for me. And we all deal with fearful thoughts. And we all deal with thoughts of doubt. But those thoughts should be simply quick. And they shouldn't stay in our mind for a long time. Because Satan loves to bring thoughts of doubt and fear. Especially in the hearts of the believer. But faith in God will push out those thoughts. And so instead of focusing on how big your problem is. We need to focus on how much bigger our God is. And when you call upon the name of Jesus to save you. The Lord will answer. Look what he does in our passage. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great calm. The result of his command was that the wind and the sea become perfectly calm. The result was complete and immediate. It's mind-blowing. You know, there's this great storm and now there's this great calm. Normally after a wind diminishes, there's still the surge, there's still the waves, it's still there. But as scripture says that the supernatural calm comes over. He controls nature. And uh, Jesus demonstrates his absolute authority over the natural world in this passage. He proved to be himself Lord over nature. Matthew writes, he goes, the disciples are amazed. They're struck with wonder. Because the winds and the waters obey Jesus. Of course the winds and the waters obey Jesus. They as they did in the days of creation. He was the one who spoke them into existence. All things in nature obey Jesus. Jesus had power over all nature, over all sickness, over all evil spirits, over death. The only part of creation that has ever dared to disobey Jesus is mankind. And God allows you and I to have the freedom of choice. And so as, as people with freedom of choice, we can, either, we can either obey God or disobey God. We can choose to follow or not follow Jesus. Unlike the wind and the waves, you're free, to choo- you're free to choose whether or not you'll obey and follow Christ. You will choose to put your faith in Jesus. That becomes the question. And if you do, will you live by faith and not fear? And when we do surrender ourselves to Jesus. We know that he's in control of everything that touches our life. And we should be able to relax and be able to live in peace depending on, you know, and depending on Jesus to calm the storms in our lives. We have to realize that Jesus is the object of our faith. And he is able to get us to the other side of the lake. And no matter what storm you're going through in your life today, and Jesus is able to speak to your storm and he's able to bring peace into your life. 
And you may be going through storms in your home or in your family or in your marriage or in your health, on your job, in your finances, with your children. Maybe it's at school, at work. Maybe it's in your body or wherever. All of us face storms in our lives one way or another. But we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who is able to speak to your storms and bring peace to our lives. All we need to do is what? All we need to do is what? This is the essence of the message. All we need to do is what? Call. All we need to do is call. How many times has our pride been so high that we just are not going to call on Jesus? And yet he makes it so easy. All we need to do is call on him and trust him to calm the storm that's in your marriage, that's in your home, that's in your family, in your health, on your job, with your children, at school, wherever you're facing your storms, call on Jesus. And it's almost like Jesus is there and he goes, you know, I can see you being afraid if you were in the storm alone or if you're walking alone. I can actually see that if you're doing life alone, but you're not alone. Because Jesus is in your boat. And that should be something that we hold on to. That is the aspect of faith and security and peace. It's interesting to see that the disciples were willing to go to the other side with Jesus. The storm's over. They still keep going. They trust him. and they, They're in amazement. They're in shock. And they go with him. You know, they admit the situation was totally out of their control. They had to ask him for his saving help. And here he is. He steps out. He controls both the storms of nature and the storms of a troubled heart. Because peace wasn't only found on that water. It was found in the hearts of the disciples. You can imagine the relief, the peace, when the storm subsided. And so Jesus has the power not only to calm the storm, but the power to calm whatever problems, no matter how out of control we face. He's willing to help if we only ask him. We should never discount his power, no matter the severity of the trial. You know, not only is there a miracle in that storm, you need to keep reading that passage of Scripture. Because when you keep reading, you see that once they get off the boat, there's another miracle on the other side of the storm that takes place. When they get out of the boat, Jesus goes on and he heals two demon-possessed guys. So maybe, just maybe, the storm is not about you. It's about what's waiting for you on the other side. Have you ever thought about that when we look at our lives? Stop looking at the storms and, and look at the faces on the other side of the storms. Jesus didn't come for the healthy, but we know he came to heal the broken, the brokenhearted. Your mess, what you find yourself, can be your message. That is, like there's hope on the other side. So how do we deal with stuff here in our lives at soul? I've already mentioned prayer which we'll be going to in just a few moments. Life groups, counseling. And I, I today want to highly encourage Celebrate Recovery. This is not just about addictions. CR is all about hurts, hang-ups, and habits, you know. A, a, a hurt could be classified as any experience that have damaged your heart, and now you just sort of need to get through it. 
habits, their unhealthy patterns that often start as perceived, you know, a remedy for some problem in our life, but end up turning into chronic behavior or an addiction. And we have many bad habits. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but we do. Our hang-ups. Those are the roadblocks that actually keep us from progressing further in God's plan for your life. And you're stuck. You know you're stuck. You're stuck spiritually. And you've used those analogies, and you just can't seem to move forward. Almost everybody, anybody suffers from a hurt habit or hang-up. And I'll just say this. Anybody can benefit from Celebrate Recovery. People come to me, and they want to talk, and I'll say, have you gone to Celebrate Recovery? Well, no, that's just for, like, addictions. No, it's not. You don't get it. You don't understand and our team is out there, and they'll love to talk to you, males and females. It's, it's, you got something you need to work through. It's about community. There is no judgment. It's about walking together. It's about the iron sharpened iron. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Check out the table. People aren't going to look at you. Oh, look, at they're checking out Celebrate Recovery. They got problems. Yes, yes, and so do you. Because you should be the one at the table. Check it out. Suck it up, buttercup. Start asking some questions in the hallway. Because nobody is going to be looking at you any different. As a matter of fact, we do this, and the people who are dedicated to leading it, um, they're there. They're there weekly because they believe in it. And so we as a church wanting to help repair, yes, we believe in prayer. Yes, we give that opportunity. But there's so much more in regards to repair that's happening in the life of the church. You need to take time and, and to begin to work on it. You need counseling? Call us. We'll arrange it. We'll make it happen. But you need to come to that place where you call out on Jesus and say, Lord, save me. Back to our story, the disciples are amazed at his power. Their response is amazement. They've never seen anything like this. And so they ask the question, what kind of man is this? Again, when we look at this, it's another rhetorical question. It's not designed to be answered, but to express the idea that there is nobody like Jesus. You know, what other person can speak to the wind and the waves and they obey his voice? The answer is clearly nobody. It's Jesus. And so Matthew uses their words to drive home his point that Jesus is truly unique. He is sovereign over nature. He truly has authority. And our faith may be expressed in our prayers to him. Lord, save us. And it's an interesting note that here Jesus answered their prayer. And he calmed the storm. And the, the best part of it that is the security for me is that he did it all even though they just had little faith. How many times have we been praying? And I know I've prayed this, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I know God can do it. I just have a little a little faith, and yet Jesus shows up. And so let me make this perfectly clear. Any turning to him in prayer, any time we turn to Jesus in prayer, it's an act of faith. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their request because it was the proper thing for them to do. And so we need to regularly gather. And, and the more we uh, <clears throat> gather together, 
be it on a Sunday, be it in, in Celebrate Recovery, be it in our ministries that we're doing, the more, or life group, the more we gather together, I'll say this, the more we're going to see the power of the Lord begin to demonstrate himself, both in the Bible and in the experience of the believers around us, and in our own lives, because the more our confidence will grow when we hear messages of how God begins to answer prayers, we will always struggle with fears in this life. Because the world is not a safe place. But gradually as we learn more and more in the faith, as, disi as the disciples did over several years, we become more bolder and we become more confident in Jesus. And then you take a look in Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 4, how confident the disciples are. So building faith in our lives as believers is a process. And we have to be patient. And we have to continue though to develop and the comforting thing is that even in our fears, even in our terror, our weak faith, we may cry to the Lord, Lord, if you're willing, just save me. Lord, heal me, deliver, protect. And then we sit back and pray that we'll see ways that he'll answer our prayers that we can only marvel. What kind of God am I serving? He ministers to us in spite of our misunderstandings. He ministers to us in spite of our fears. He does. The disciples saw Jesus do many wonderful things, but they had never seen him minister to them in their darkest hour, in their most difficult time. And God wants to write a comeback story with your life today, and grace comes as an eraser, and maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. There's hope on the other side of your storm. God's not interested in making you religious at all. Maybe you're, you're our guest and you, somebody's brought you, oh, this is all about religion. No, he's interested in making you new. A new creation, a new creature. Never place a period where God has placed the comma, somebody said. He's not done with us yet. And so today I want us to pray. It'd be futile of me to teach on prayer and repair and not us practice it. So I encourage the band just to come forward. We also have our prayer teams that are going to move to the crosses. <clears throat> we have a few minutes. Beautiful. And so here's the process. I'm just letting our teams get into place. We want to pray with you. We want to be able to support you. We want to be able to encourage you for whatever need that you've carried right now. We're a church that believes in the physical healing. We've had reports. We also know that there are people in our community that are just, they're suffering greatly. They just need a touch of, a touch of God on their life in a physical way. We want to pray for you. If that is your request, that is your desire. The people at our prayer stations have uh, bottles of oil. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And what we do is we anoint you with oil. This is what James said. If you're sick, you come and we'll anoint you with oil. It's anointing with oil just sort of represents the power of the Holy Spirit falling fresh upon our lives. If that is something that you want, then you ask our team to do so. We will pray for you. We want to know your name. We want to know specifically what to pray for. And I, I honestly I have to say, I think that some of us here today, because I'm writing this message and it's driving me nuts. You know what's driving me nuts is pride, because I see pride in myself. But I do know if it's in me, then it's in people in this room as well.
is that we think we got all of our stuff together and I don't need to reach out to God and yet your world is a mess. But you're so proudful and you're so prideful and you don't want to change and you don't want to listen to the Spirit of God tell you what you need to do. Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to, to apologize. Maybe you need to make amends. Maybe you just need to come and forgive somebody because you've been holding on to stuff that has just been killing you from the inside out. And we come into a place like this. We come in, nobody's judged here. Although they did judge us with our clothes, I have to admit, I felt that judgment coming off the stage. But if that's the only thing you can judge me on, well then go right ahead. Because I'm just glad you're here. We look forward to the gathering and coming together of the believers to sing songs of worship. I love standing in the back. I love watching people worship. Personally, that's me. I love it when our youth go crazy. And, and sometimes I want to come down and encourage you to be a little bit more crazy. But I, I, I do. I love the freedom. I like it when I, when I get those, those messages, you know, you said this. And I go, I said that? Yeah, you said this. And this is what's happened in our life. Or those prayer requests. This, these are the answers of what God's doing. Because it's constantly just reinforced when we come together. And so not only do we just gather, we don't gather out of habit. We gather with a purpose and an understanding of refuge. I come into the sanctuary of God. Now, it's, we know it's just a building. We know God doesn't live here and he doesn't wave goodbye to you when you leave. He lives in us. But as the body, we gather together to encourage, to lift up, to sharpen, and to be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say into our lives. And that's the repair part. And so today, what is he saying in your life? Can I ask the two of you to go to each cross and be willing to pray with people as well? Randy and Carla are going to do that. Sharon, if you can move as well. Stand with me. So here's the protocol. We're almost done. Worship teams is going to lead us in a song. If you want prayer this morning, move to the cross. Tell them your name. Tell them what you want prayer for. And let us begin to pray specifically for you, believing that God's going to do something to calm the storm in your life. I pray for those today who are carrying around unspeakable pain as they're driven by forces that they can't even just begin to mention. I ask that this morning they would be able to take one step into freedom, one step into wholeness, one step into healing, one step into safety. And maybe it's deciding to go into counseling. Maybe it's just opening up their heart to you, Lord, as, as Lord and Savior. Maybe it's spending time with a friend. May we be the type of church that gives life to those around us. So God, move into this place. Move into the lives and heart and convict us and show us the things that we have not seen before. And if you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and this is something that you would like to do, just come and talk to, to one of us here at the crosses or go to the, take, fill out the form. The, the welcome home form, hand it at the desk and say, I want to know more about Jesus. We will contact you tomorrow. We will be right on it. We will walk with you in this process. So Father, I ask you to speak as you've been all morning. Show us a new revelation of your love, your power, your Holy Spirit. And I ask you to minister to our spirit at this very moment. And God, where there is pain, give us your peace and mercy. 
Where there is self-doubt, release and renew confidence in your ability to work through us. God, where there is tiredness or exhaustion, I ask you to give us understanding and patience and strength as we learn to submit to, submit to your leading. Father, where there's spiritual stagnation, I ask that you to renew us by revealing your nearness, by drawing us into a greater intimacy with you. And where there's fear, God, reveal your love. Release us to your courage. And Lord, where there's sin blocking us, reveal it, break its hold over our lives. Give us greater vision than just for ourselves. Raise up leaders here, Lord, and friends to support and to encourage us. Father, give each of us discernment to recognize those demonic forces around us and also reveal us to us the power we have in you to defeat them. And I ask you to do these things all in the name, the powerful name, the wonderful name, the name upon we to whom we call on, the name of Jesus. In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. If you want a blessing before you go here it is may the lord walk beside you to comfort you may the lord walk above you to watch over you may the lord walk behind you to keep you safe may the lord walk before you to show you the way and don't forget soul sanctuary he's in the boat with you as well now go live the church and we'll see you next week.